Hey everyone, just want to encourage you to find us on your listening platform and give us a rating. Anywhere you listen to that has a rating system, go on over and give us a rating and maybe leave us a review. Let us know your thoughts. These ratings really do help. Thank you so much for listening. On to this week's episode. The episode. You pressed it. We came. Now you must listen to us. Taste our pleasures. How's that? Was that like sufficiently creepy? No. No. Oh. It sounded more like good. it sounded more like an old person at a nursing home. <laughs> it sounded like Dumbledore. Yeah. Harry. <laughs> Actually, yes, yes. Like first Dumbledore though. The first one. Yeah, Richard Harris, <laughs> Dumbledore. It's okay. I'd rather sound like Dumbledore than Pinhead. So. Harry, you must taste. Oh, uh, really? I don't know. Pinhead pleasures. is pretty, pretty, pretty cool. You think he's uh, cool? You don't yeah. open the box? I mean, I don't want to meet him. But, you know, in terms of but a guy who's over there, he's all right. It's, a, it's an interesting costume design. That it is, yes. Yeah. Well, he certainly is into acupuncture, and I can't blame him for that. So, <laughs> uh, We're talking about Hellraiser. We're raising some hell today with the 1987 film and the 2022. There's like nine movies. We can't cover them all. We just don't have that type of time right now, and we're really just focusing on these two. So, uh, you know, s- take hold and strap in. Uh, or strap on. Or oh, nail yourself. I feel like that's something that would, you know straight men would experience in hell yes well i mean is it pain or is it pleasure that's the whole point right of the movie yeah of course ah. i'm nicole and i'm rolando and this is remakes reboots and revivals an original podcast about unoriginality well into october and it's just going to be you know non-stop spooky season for uh spooky content for the rest of the month i think i know it's uh we talked about this already but like it's just you know different from i think last year yeah even i think the year before last i think usually we cover like maybe one or two spooky things this month we have a lot to choose from too much to choose from actually yeah we were like not this this Right. Uh, which was actually kind of nice. But there was one thing that I was looking forward to, but it got pushed to November, which I feel like is bad timing. I don't know. Maybe there's some last minute edits for Wednesday, but whatever. Uh, and so because we're not covering Wednesday, we're covering Hellraiser, which I didn't even know was a thing until a week ago. Yeah. Not a really good job of uh, marketing from no. Hulu on this one. Similar to Prey. Yeah, Hulu just doesn't do a good job promoting their films. And you would think, like, with but, considering, well, considering Eddie, I'll get to your point. But before, it's Disney money, right? Like Hulu is owned by Disney, mm. so it's not like they have money to burn. Um, Eddie, what were you gonna say? Uh, no, I mean, uh, sometimes we only hear about these movies uh, because of the backlash. That's and, true. Sometimes and backlash and or <laughs> the backlash <laughs> because um, you know, in in this in the in this year's um, Hellraiser, um, one of the character is um, is a female or transgender. One female. of the Hellraisers. Yes. One of the Cenobites. Yes. Cenobites, I mean, Pinhead yeah. was pretty non-binary, right? Could you tell if Pinhead was male or female? I could tell. Could you? Was, yeah, and also because his story, he tells his story, 
His story Pinhead? is told in, in in one of the movies, and I think. Oh no! Uh, but I mean the new one. In the new one, no, no. Yeah, in the new one, it, the character seems non-binary. Like mm-hmm. it seems. Yeah, they're androgynous for sure. Right, which I think yeah. was the original intent of the character design. They have no genitalia, for example. Yes. Yes. So, but people just are going to be outraged. Even, you know, like creatures of hell. They're just, you know. Well, well, they're not from hell. Or they're from hell, but like a different order of yeah, hell. Yeah. They're like. The order okay, of the gash, which is, I think, the, the most film. offensive name. <laughs> I think. Like, imaginable. <laughs> yeah. I forget where they said they were from in the first film, but, you know, as far as we're concerned, it's hell. So, um, yeah. So 1987 is when this movie came out, and we actually talked about this when we talked about Prey and Predator, because Predator came out in 1987. Wow, another Hulu movie from the same year. Yeah, same year, I guess. Well, 1987 might be the best 1980s movie year. Um, The movies that came out, I'll refresh your memory, Full Metal Jacket, right? Mm -hmm. That crazy-ass movie. The Princess Bride. uh, RoboCop, which I love. uh, Spaceballs, Lethal Weapon, Moonstruck, Raising Arizona. Uh, Fatal Attraction. These are like mm-hmm. really iconic '80s movies. Do and you again, think they'll ever make another Lethal Weapon? Like, I know they made remade it into a TV show, but ooh. do you see Mel Gibson and 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 uh, Donald, not Donald Glover, uh, Danny no, Glover, Danny Glover, coming no back? No lie, for- I think I've heard that there were talks for it. Really? So yeah, even with Mel Gibson's bad mojo. Yeah, I think he's looking for a comeback. Okay. I mean, if any franchise would help them make a comeback, I would say it's that. They can't make a it's Braveheart simple, yeah. sequel. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't see it, for sure. I would not see a Braveheart sequel. Uh, I also think that, um, I don't know, like, if they're making Indiana Jones 5, right, Isn't with Harrison six? Ford. Uh, no, it's 5. Okay. Um, then why not make Lethal Weapon 5? Because, you know, we just watch old guys do stuff. Why not? Yeah, but Harrison Ford isn't problematic as far as i know oh right yeah I, I was thinking more about like the age thing oh no i i can look past the age and, and look at liam yeah. Ge- Le- liam neeson he was able to come back as an old man action star yeah yeah uh moving on from mel gibson though i think 1987 might be the, the quintessential 80s year too because there's just like every one of those films was also kind of like making a commentary about 80s culture and I definitely think that Hellraiser, you know, is, is no exception to that rule. I think that the epitome or the way that it kind of like contemporizes the time that it came out and really interesting and kind of timeless, but also very like 80s. Um, so, I mean, okay. I mean, it's coming in the middle of like all the big horror movie slasher franchises, right? Yeah, it definitely broke it up, too. And like the thing about the 80s was that the cinema of the 70s was so extreme. You know, so much violence, so much sex, everything on screen that we kind of needed to take a step back. And then everything got super watered down in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all movies had a happy ending. All characters were like nice, likable, whatever, whitewashed people. So when we got Hellraiser, people had not movies like that weren't being made. They were maybe in the horror movie genre, but horror movie genres were primarily like the slasher genre. Mm-hmm. So like here's just like this brand new thing straight out of London that was just like, what the f- is this along with like Evil Dead Two that also came out that year? Um, just horror being taken in brand new directions, and we kind of like, you know, I mean, horror's gone through so much. I think horror right now is like the definitive genre. Like, it's the only original film genre that people will flock to the theaters to see. Oh, um, yeah. Okay, I I was gonna say it's just like um, superhero movies would be like 
the current genre. Yeah. But no, no, no. But you're right. Like, in terms of original content, horror mm-hmm. brings it. Speaking of, did you see the trailer for M3GAN, or known as Megan? I've seen, like, the thumbnail. I haven't watched it yet. Does it look good? Okay, it looks over-the-top ridiculous. Um, this is a quick sidebar, guys, but you guys need to see this trailer. I'm going to put it in the show notes. It looks over the- I woke up Eddie from his slumber in the morning when I saw this trailer <laughs> because it might be one of the campiest... I don't know if intentional or unintentional, but basically it's like a, a young girl in like a robot costume supposed to be. But like she's killing at a certain point while dancing. It looks like a Fortnite character, but it's oh. like played for horror and it looks absolutely campy and hysterical. Uh, watching the people react on TikTok has been nothing short of wonderful. I mean, the best comments have been like, have been like, I, she said slay or, uh, uh, like you know, she's serving killer. Like this, it's just been great. It's been wild, and you got to check out this trailer because I can't wait. I will go to the movie theaters for this film. This wow, is they won me really? over. Oh it looks gosh. so ridiculous. Yeah, I gotta watch this now. Actually. And that's what sometimes you want that in a horror movie. Like you need something. Absolutely. You need some. You need a little bit of craziness in a good horror movie. I feel like. I mean, Smile, the film Smile, was number one two weeks in a row, and it beat out Amsterdam, which has an all-star cast with an Academy Award-nominated director, and that movie oh. completely flopped. Yeah, but that also <laughs> looked like Oscar beat. Yeah, it just, I don't know, nothing about it grabbed me particularly, but like... That's a Leo film, right? No, no, it's Christian Bale, uh, Michael oh. Robbie, Chris Rock, Robert De Niro, Rami Malek, so many people are in it. Yeah, it's a lot of people. I don't, I don't... And yet I nobody cares. Nobody cares. No, but Smile. Well, you know what? I, I mean, you know, It Follows is a wonderful horror movie. And I feel like Smile is another one that has kind of let, like same vein, simple premise. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And but like, you know, from what I'm understanding, effective filmmaking. Absolutely. And yeah. And like a good horror movie is like something to be cherished. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting, too, because when I first saw Hellraiser, it was about 12, 13 years ago. Uh, I was young, and my friend and I were like, "Yeah, let's order a pizza and watch a movie." <laughs> and we picked Hellraiser. Hellraiser. And like, I, eating a pizza and watching <laughs> Hellraiser. Pro tip: Don't do it. Just don't. Um, yeah. It was All disgusting. The yeah. Yeah. And I think it was the experience of that that made me think I didn't like this film because right. it's a really gross film. Mm-hmm. Um, I just rewatched it yesterday. Uh huh. And yes, I still think that this film is gross as fuck, but that's also why I think it works. <laughs> well, now I think see, I had this similar experience with you, right? When I watched it, I think it was in high school and stuff, and I just watched it, and it was just all I remember is the gross bits, yes, like the body horror. Mm-hmm. And it's I so did effective. it, and, and like you know, Pinhead, I remember that. But in terms of the story, I couldn't really tell you what was happening, right? If you had asked me before I rewatched it, then when yeah. I rewatched the film, I was just like, oh, this movie is. Uh, there's a little bit of depth here that I'm like appreciating now in my older years, you know? Yeah. I just didn't appreciate it in high school. Uh, well, Oh yeah. When I was like, uh, how old was I? 21 watching this, all of that just not appreciated over my head even. Um, and I just like, first of all, I was like, there's a love triangle in quotation marks, mm-hmm. like happening in this movie. Like what? I don't remember mm-hmm. any. Of right. This. Right. Because um, I mean, the, the gore is so gruesome that it yeah. just sticks with you. And it does, and I don't know if this is detrimental to the film or not. I don't know, because it keeps it memorable. But it makes you forget everything else going on. That You have to almost give it a second watch to really digest the story. 
Yeah, absolutely. Right. Once you get past the shock of the gore and the and the body horror, right, and those effects, yeah, uh, oh, the then effects. you can appreciate it's just like, oh, this this is uh, a fucked up love triangle that we're watching and stuff. And yeah, pretty uh, much. It's a story and about lust. This was Clive. Bar- it wasn't Clive Barker's first film, but he had just started writing around this time. I- he wrote uh, a story, The Hellbound Heart. Yeah, I thought this he- was his directorial debut. No, he actually made other films, like he made Salome before this, but mm-hmm. um, this is like his big first movie. He hasn't mm-hmm. made many movies, um, but yeah, he he made this from he adapted it from his own story, The Hellbound Heart, which only came out in 1986. So mm-hmm. he literally wrote it, released it, and then adapted it for a film and shot it. And mm-hmm. it's all his screenplay by him, directed by him. So this is very much Clive Barker. And I know of Clive Barker, but I've never really read anything. Like he's kind of like Stephen King, where I'm like, oh, horror. I associate him with that genre. I think uh, he's actually he goes. He's a different form of horror. He's like, uh, I think it's <sighs> blood gore. I think is the genre, the subgenre. Yeah, yeah, gruesome more. Yeah, like his is a lot more. I, the, you know. Stephen King is considered subdued compared to like the kind yes. of horror that uh, yes. Clive Barker writes. But I guess in terms of like authors, um, you know, the only horror authors that I know really are Stephen King, Clive Barker, and now Grady Hendrix. Um, they're like literally the only people that I think of when it comes to horror literature, uh, other than like to bring the deceased ones. Grady, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Read his book and y'all know. Uh, Nicole, I found two of his books in Comic Con for a good <gasps> price, and I bought them. <gasps> Which I ones? The the um, the one with the covers Paper book of madness. Oh, paperbacks with... from hell. Yeah, that, paperbacks from hell, close. and I bought the IKEA one. Ah, oh, horror store. Oh man, yeah, we we stand uh, Grady Hendrix here. You got to read yeah. one, Rolando. Like seriously, it's gonna be so worth it. Eventually. Uh, Out of the three of us, I feel like I'm gonna be the first one to meet him by accident, and not yeah, have yeah, and then we'll there'll be so much anger. It'll be like the book club will like attack you yeah we're gonna get a voodoo <laughs> doll of you uh you should bring it this weekend it's actually gonna be the perfect time for you to read it and just what? saying is it, go- is it gonna rain when you're camping oh i i, don't, I thought you were threatening me I'm like it's gonna be raining so <laughs> <go book>. like, <laughs> yes everyone is it gonna rain <laughs> eddie and i will be camping this weekend uh yeah i hope we survive i hope yes. there's no slashers following us around yeah i hope there's no horror movie that you stumble into um but with this horror movie, you know, it's interesting because when I rewatched it, I even thought to myself, like, wow, like, this is such a different type of horror movie that it, it very much is its own genre. And yes, I, I think I would put it into body horror, mm-hmm. um, but I would even put it more into just like, you know, psychological horror because uh, it's not necessarily like horrifying to watch as much as it is horrifying to like experience. contemplate and experience kind and of. Like- yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's more. I think it's more unnerving than anything. Yes, that too. Yeah, it's like um, it's just gruesome. It's grotesque. It's a grotesque film, but like it works. And it no, does absolutely work. works. Yeah, like I, I was, I thought again. I was just going based off of the memory because so I did as I do for the podcast. Usually, I watch things in reverse. I watch the new one, and oh, then no. uh, I was just I went into the re to the original thinking it's just like okay, so more or less it would be the same plot, and I realized like oh no, this plot is completely stripped this is like a very stripped down plot this is a story about a woman trying to bring back her deceased lover which right. happens yeah. to be the brother her, her yeah the brother, the brother her husband mm-hmm. a brother-in-law her brother-in-law correct that was, yeah 
Yeah, so that's Which, pretty much yeah. the plot, right? Yeah. She so he so he finds the it's called the lament combination. It's like a little box puzzle. Uh mm-hmm. he bought it because he was seeking uh unspeakable pleasures. Yes, he and being when Frank. He, he being Frank, Frank Cotton. And when he solves it, he ends up uh, encountering the Cenobites, which is Pinhead, the one that like chatters his mouth, the engineer, that one, <clears throat> yeah, is that what he's known as? Uh, the there's yeah, there's the chattering, there's Butterball, there's the lead, Butterball. That's what I was thinking about. Uh, the skinless. No, I'm sorry. And then there's the female. Yeah, the female. That's just what she's known <laughs> as. Just, so I guess uh, they did have sexes. <laughs> um, she does a red female, but I don't. They don't have genitalia. No, I remember that one from one of the films. I don't remember which one, but mm. uh, so yeah. So, uh, sometime later, brother-in-law moves into the house where Frank lived and coincidentally died, and uh, he spills his blood that kind of reawakens Frank into like this grotesque like just a being right he's just like kind of forming himself that was yeah. activated by frank's blood uh, by his brother's blood and he convinces his ex-lover uh you know to find other people to murder so that way he can absorb their being and uh and become whole again yes and she commits murder yeah because the result. sex was that good so basically, yeah. Would you? Because she's kind of in a loveless marriage. Not, I don't. Oh, that's it. That's not a, yeah. That's she's in a bored she? marriage. Yeah, she's she very, is. Mm-hmm. That's what I would describe it as. I think they did a great job of contrasting how sexual Frank is compared to his brother, who's very, very vanilla, milk toast. Even you could say. Yeah. So it's interesting too because by all words, like by all definition, he's a good husband. Larry. His mm-hmm. name is Larry. You know, he's good to her he treats her well yeah. he loves her he respects her but she doesn't want that <laughs> she's bored or at least that's not what turns her on you know so it's also like this interesting kind of like a moral conundrum too because you really you sympathize with her and you understand why she's that way even though larry gives you no reason to think poorly of him right mm-hmm. right and but then you don't think poorly of her like everyone's situation is actually completely understandable uh, i mean I don't know if I don't, I, I don't know if I would go so far as to say I don't think poorly of she is committing murder. Well, until she does that. Until so. that. But like in, in terms of her situation and just like the like she's stupid. And and she's just blinded yeah. by her Stigmatized. Lust, right? Yeah. Um and it really shows, you know, like how strongly like the, the, the urge of the body, you know, can can kind of like take over a person. Which is really um, demonstrated, I think, kind of beautifully in the editing of this film, like in one of the sequences where she is fantasizing about Frank mm-hmm. and the passionate sex they had while the men are trying to move the couch and you're hearing like this groaning and moaning and you can't tell who's yep. who. And yep. it's really, it was so effective. It was such effective filmmaking that I was just like, wow, I just did not appreciate this when I was young. Yeah. And, like, and then like essentially the orgasm is him, you know, cutting himself in the blood, mm-hmm. you know, which, which the theme no, here, pain and pleasure, you <laughs> exactly. know, being one and one, you know, which, yeah, yeah. which, which is when I realized, like, oh, this movie is a lot smarter than I gave it credit for. Like, seriously, years ago. And showing, not telling. Got to mm-hmm. always appreciate that. <laughs> and so by doing, by actually cutting himself, a Larry, <laughs> while he's moving this, and he actually, you know, puts blood on the floor of where his brother Frank disappeared by opening the box. What did you call it again? The lament combination. The Yeah. Um, 
he actually then is starting to slowly resurrect Frank. And by resurrection, it's pretty much the more blood that is spilled on Frank's behalf or in his, his home where he, you know, perished, essentially. He is slowly coming back. The blood is slowly building him. So he's kind of like starts off as like a head. And then, like a little body. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. And the then he scene, becomes skinless. Guys, if you haven't seen this movie, rewatch it. If only for the scene of watching the body come together. Because yeah. that is truly... I had to rewatch it three times. I'm just like, this is disgusting. It's but just practical effects, man. Yeah, it's, it's so good. It's still hold up so well. Yeah, like seriously. And it's like, wow, I don't see this that much anymore. So like when you watch an older movie and you see like the time that they took to do mm-hmm. this and to make it as effective as they could, it's just wonderful. And he actually, Frank, you know, pretty much tells uh, her name is Julia. I think so. I think yeah. her name is Julia. Julia. And the yeah. daughter is Julia. Julia. Christy. Christy. Um, Christy, wake up. <laughs> from, uh, <laughs> from Stranger Things, yeah. Stranger, My yeah. sister played me, yeah. Anyway, um, he pretty much tells Julia, you know, like, I escaped these people, um, the Cenobites, and they don't they don't know, right? So you got to, like, you have to help me or else they're going to find me. It's like a ticking clock kind of a thing. So Which she kind of shows you the Cenobites just don't know what they're doing. They're so wrapped up in trying to, like, find I know. They're not that pleasures. smart. They really yeah, they, aren't. They're not. They they're have to be, like summoned you know You're right <laughs> <laughs> um so she goes out you know tries to have like fake these one night stands bring these guys back and then pretty much kills them and and again the things that people will do for good sex apparently mm-hmm. um and it's like crazy too because like he's just an inch of what he used to be you know and and yet it, it, her she's so obsessed with him she's so blinded by her lust and her obsession um that she starts doing these unspeakable things Meanwhile, Christy, Larry's daughter, not Julia's, because Julia is his second wife. Right. Um, you know, moves in with them and is kind of like ignorantly unaware. Uh, ignorantly. Yeah, she's ignorant Blissfully of what's going on pretty igno- much. Yeah, yeah there we go. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, but there's nothing. She doesn't live with them. Right. Mm-hmm. She, so there's nothing for her to necessarily be aware about. True. All she knows yeah. is that her parents are, you know, her her dad is moving into the new house and stuff. And, oh, how are you doing and stuff? And he's. Yeah. You know, trying to put on a... Br- he is... It's interesting, right? Because Larry suspects things are off with him and his wife, mm-hmm. but, like, just can't put his... Speak- or maybe he's just willfully blind to it, right? He doesn't want to, like, admit to himself that like, she's clearly not into you anymore. How relatable are th- is that? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Those right. flags, When you mention it, Larry is probably one of the more... most relatable human beings because I feel like that's where a lot of people fall in life, yeah. right? Like, you just don't want to... There's just... You'd rather leave things unspoken i feel yes. most people yes. would live like that and ignore things or mm-hmm. just not talk about it you know and and it could pretty much lead you to your destruction guys okay uh you know the sun bites are waiting for you if you do that so <laughs> <laughs> um but you know christy sees like there's something happening in that mm-hmm. in that one room you know and then she actually she goes and she finds the box and she opens it and she meets the Cenobites. Right. And that's when they tell her that, you know, they're they're perceived as either angels or demons, but they're actually just explorers from another dimension seeking like out these experiences um, and providing them to people. And like to them, you know, pain and pleasure are the same thing. Like, you know, here, let's give your body. There's so much that your body doesn't even know that it can go through and all this stuff. So they're just like so far removed from like a human being's sense sensory experiences. Yeah. Um, it's very so, very S and M. Yes, very. <laughs> I don't know how any of it could be pleasurable, but I guess so. 
Um, but they pretty much like kind of make a bargain with her because she's like, hey, look, I I might have summoned you, but you don't want me. You want the guy who escaped you. And they're like, wait, what? If someone is. Yeah, they were so busy with their pleasure that they didn't realize like someone is missing. Yeah. So but essentially, you know, her being like, hey, I'll make this bargain with you. You know, don't bring me to your realm. I'll give you Frank kind of backfires on her because before she knows it, Frank convinces uh, Julia to kill Larry so he can mm-hmm. take over Larry's body. And the last half, you know, spoiler alert, you know, is, is Christy thinking that, you know, she's confiding in her father about what's happening. But really, it's, it's Frank. Uh, who, correct me if I'm wrong, but you got mm-hmm. like, he was ready to. He I was ready, like he to, was ready to, to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Good. I was, I thought yeah. I was like reading into it, but like he was mm. a little predatory around her, right? Oh, no, he was going to. Yeah, okay. Think, All right. Yeah. So, so Frank is categorized as a hedonist. Yeah. And so, like, he absolutely would take pleasure in doing that to her while in her father's skin, you know? And this guy's, he's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, th- he's into weird shit. <laughs> uh, and it's just, what a kudos to that actor, you know, portraying Larry in one way and, and then portraying that- Larry in this way. And he was good at it because I was completely, at a certain point, I had to rewind. I'm like, is that the same actor? Did they get someone yeah. new? I can't tell. It was a hair. Once they messed <laughs> yeah. up his hair a little, <laughs> it's amazing it how yeah. he he did his hair differently, and it's like, yeah. oh, he's he's a different yeah, like oh, actually, it's, it's so funny uh-huh. you should mention that. I had read a study that that's all it really takes for you to like hide yourself. Like, if you want to change your identity, literally just change up your hairdo or grow a beard. That's more than enough for most of the average person. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Look at that. And literally, this it, the movie just proved it for me because like he just literally tussled up his hair. And I'm like, who are you? Well, no you guys are familiar with Andrew Robinson in any other platform? Who? No. The I'm actor? pretty sure. He, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's in Star Trek. Oh, who is he in Star Trek? He's in Deep Space Nine. Oh, is he the sunken face guy? Uh, is that who uh, Elam Garrick is? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't. I. I mean, who's the Trekkie? <laughs> is it Eddie? Eddie's more Trekkie than me. What's his name? Elam Garrick from That's Deep Space name. Nine. Yeah, his name is Andrew Robinson. Andrew oh, Robinson. Cool. I mean, I've definitely seen this guy before. He was in like Dirty Harry and stuff. Um, mm. I feel like I've seen him somewhere else, but I've just uh, come to the conclusion I'm just not very good at remembering faces. Oh, he was the tailor. Yes. There you go. He was Eddie. seriously. There's a tailor in Star Trek. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, again, they got to work on the uniforms. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, he was more yeah. than a tailor. He was like the kind of like semi bad guy spy. Oh, he was the one you go for information. He knew he knew how to torture people. Wow. <laughs> All right. There you go. There Once you again, go. proving that you can play. He's good at playing duality there. Yeah, no, he's he's very good at it. Um, I mean, this film essentially, you know, like comes into this whole kind of climax of Christy fighting off the Cenobites and some real crazy, you know, practical effects stuff happening with the Cenobites attacking her and trying to get to her, but her back. Yeah, some them. was better than others. I mean, I didn't like that yeah. monster that was kind of like. That wasn't the best. It wasn't my know. favorite monster, but everything yeah. else I think worked. No, for uh, sure. I, I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I think like the kind of my last act might be my least favorite part of the film because I was just like, oh. Yeah, now it's too like puzzles. story heavy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she's solving the puzzles and everything. It just felt like it started feeling like now like a Hollywood film. And this mm. is no fault of the film. Like, look, 
you gotta make a movie in Hollywood. You gotta play by some rules. Oh, it wasn't a London film, but you know, you're trying to go main. You're trying to make a mainstream film. Yes, and yeah. uh, you gotta play by some rules, and that's part of it. Uh, it didn't play by of- many rules in the '80s. I'll give it that, though. Yeah. You know, it broke a lot. I will say this: one of the most effective parts of this film though was the music, and its use mm. of silence when mm-hmm. when necessary. Because so much of the music, uh, so much of the film was heavy in music up mm-hmm. until that last act, which was jarring. When you're just hearing nothing but silence, and you know you're just hearing like the the br- br- uh, breaths of the characters and stuff yeah. as they're trying to hide. Yeah. Uh, effective again, like I was very very just impressed. It's just like this is like very very strong effective filmmaking that and you I know, was watching. I I completely agree. I think the reason I didn't like it when I was younger too is because this film is effectively uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very um, distressing almost in its way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I just was I was feeling it without recognizing what the film was doing to me. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, kudos to uh, I do think that yeah, this film is just really like you said unnerving, and yeah. you know I was excited to look at the new one because of it. I was like, oh well, now I'm into this lore. You know, mm-hmm. now I, I know what to expect by revisiting it. I'm not, like, completely, you know, against Hellraiser like I thought I was. So bring it on. And that takes us to 2022's Hellraiser, which, you know, why? what's this with this new trend where it's like, let's just not say, you know, Hellraiser 9 or Hellraiser uh, the next level. Like, it's just, no, just Hellraiser. Just Scream. Well, I think, but I think it's <laughs> like, well, Scream was annoying because it's a continuation. <laughs> yeah. Hellraiser, I think, is serving, though, as, like, a, a reboot, though. You think so? I think that's oh, what they announced no. it as. It's like it's like a fresh. It's like a complete. It's like not associated, from my understanding, to the. It's not associated with the originals. Got no. it. Which is why certain Cenobites are different. Different looking. Okay. Uh, um. Yeah. Do you want to kind of summarize the 2022 Hellraiser? So Hellraiser, the remake was actually announced as early as 2007 and obviously it been stuck in production hell initially uh clive barker was attached to the project because he had expressed resentment in the series overall like he Mm. he he didn't like the way hollywood took over pinhead like he was very very outspoken about it who by the way we didn't talk about this clive barker gay oh wow i didn't know that Uh, so uh We'll talk about this actually uh, once we're done with the with the new film. But a lot of people categorize Hell Make Hell Hell Hellraiser as a queer film. Oh, Let's, I, I want to go. I want to come back to the point, especially after the remake. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it, it was in October 2013 when Barker announced that he would be directing and writing the film. And uh, about a year later, he announced it was going to be a loose remake. But he was at this point hinting that he might not come back to direct. And uh, let's see. In 2019, it was announced that Spyglass Media would be developing a new remake. So, yeah. So, Clive Barker was completely out of the project at this point. David S. Goyer, who is one of my... I I feel like he's my imaginary enemy because I don't like him. (laughs) I I think he is one of those writers who, like, every project he gets attached to ends up turning to shit quickly. Yeah, he wrote... uh, He was in... Writing the screenplay or involved with the screenplays of Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., the Blade Trilogy, the Dark Knight Trilogy. Nope. Hang on. His involvement, for example, the Dark Knight, where he got his, uh, for Batman Begins, his credit, was literally 
and this has been spoken about, was we're going to add the scene where we announce that Joker's going to show up. That was his involvement in the script. I just want to point oh. out that he gets credit for it still. Wow. Look at yeah, that. Yeah. Hollywood. So, Boy, that shit like, works. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then the, the Zack Snyder, you know, Man of Steel and, and Batman mm. v Superman, Dawn of Justice movies. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm not. Which, yeah, no. David S. Goyer is my, like, I feel like if I ever cross paths with him, I might punch him. Um <laughs> 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 uh, uh, David Bruckner was uh, attached to direct in 2020. I don't really know any of his work other than VHS. Uh, oh, actually, I take it back. The Ritual, which Eddie yeah. and I have seen. Which I've seen The Ritual, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Interesting film. And if anything, probably for original monster creation, right? Like it was, you don't see monster design like that. Yeah, I, I kind of, I'm upset I saw the monster in that movie, but that's a whole other discussion. I think they that, held too right? long on the monster. Yeah, I saw too much of the monster that I was like, yeah, this like is not I think effective. if we just see it once or twice, that would have been enough. We didn't need to see it for like the whole third act. Yeah, but anyway. but as a camping and everybody slowly dies movie, it's effective. Uh, and uh, wait a minute, were you aware of this? What? Oh, got Mick. I thought she was Pinhead. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Uh, she was. It was revealed that the film producers did audition drag performer Got Mick for the role of Pinhead after Got Mick showed off a Pinhead-inspired look for a runway on RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, isn't okay. that weird? How wild is that? That is actually pretty. Yeah, wow. Why didn't they bring her as Pinhead? I don't understand. I could see why Got Mick wouldn't want that to be like her film debut. <laughs> 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 you know, just saying. I understand. I understand. Yeah. So that's like the oh, behind wait. the scenes. I'm sorry. I, I understand why the they film. wouldn't want that to be their film debut. I think they go by they. I apologize. Oh, she. I'm sorry. They go. By, uh, they go by they. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Regardless, still funny nonetheless. Uh. Yeah. And uh, you know, the film was released to Hulu. It's a Hulu exclusive. Why mm-hmm. am I getting commercials for a Hulu film? I don't know. But I was very, very mad. Uh, about this platforms, like, man. just interrupting the film just to give me commercials just like yo i thought you guys don't do this for your original films yeah quite upsetting and uh the film focuses on new characters in this one we follow roland voigt i think that was his name right roland uh the yeah i know his last name is voigt i want to say it was roland because they always drop the o yes roland right yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. and i always get mad at just like just say the full name rolando Voight. Anyway, <laughs> Rolando Voight uh, was killing some twink to call upon the Cenobites. Yeah. That's how the movie begins. And uh, next thing we know, we follow an addict by the name of Riley. Yes. She is living with her homosexual brother, Matt. I'm just throwing it out there because I feel like the homosexuality is important. And his boyfriend mm-hmm. and a roommate. And, uh, you know, she is a recovering addict in a relationship with this hot guy named Trevor who clearly steering her down the wrong path because he's just like, yo, let's go rob a safe. And she, feeble-minded Riley, was just like, okay, sure, why not? So they go and rob a safe, and inside the safe was the The uh, lament configuration, the box. Mm -hmm. And so eventually she she gets in a fight with her brother, right, because he's just like, you're an addict, you're going to get out of here. And she's all like, no, you get out, I'm leaving. Don't tell me how to live my life. Basically. She leaves, she goes to the park, figures out the box configuration, but her blood isn't spilt. So now the Cenobites appear to her and they say, you must, if you won't bleed, you must bring us someone who will. And then her brother ends up touching the 
the thing and yeah, he ends up getting taken by the Cenobites. Yeah, mm-hmm. accidentally. And the rest of the movie is basically her trying to figure out how to bring her brother back because as she learns, uh, if you call upon the Cenobites, they will offer you and you complete this, uh, the six configurations, they can give you a gift. And one of those gifts can be resurrection. And uh, then we find out that there was like a mastermind behind everything in the office. Yes. You know, it was there was yeah a betrayal and all from that. Leia from like uh it it's very contemporary Hollywood yes. storytelling. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just say that I'm not that's not a critique on it because I found myself I'll just say this right now I found myself enjoying this film a little more than I thought I was going to. Okay, but um, especially when you think about like it like the the first film was about lust. This mm-hmm. film is about addiction for sure, and it, I think that end solidifies that. Yeah. Uh. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um. Take on it that at least from her point of view, right? Would you also say that is for Roland Voigt's that he's addicted per se to he, to the the power he gets from it? He's addicted to. Well, is he addicted? I mean, his. So he picked. He sought after his. The configuration that he sought after was sensation. Yes. And so his, you know, they they manipulate everything, right? So they're not giving him manipulative sensation. He's just feeling everything at an intense mm-hmm. way. They give him like this contraption that like makes him feel like his organs being ripped apart or something, right? It was gross. Really uh, gross. And so he wanted to exchange his power, and they he, they figured, all right, we'll give you power and stuff because that's what I think he's after, right? He's after power. Yeah. But I don't. Maybe he is also. I think he might be addicted to the power. He might be addicted to the pain. I mean, clearly he's addicted to now the pleasures of the body, right? Because that's what he was after. But he, yes. Now, I, I, maybe if I missed this, but in the beginning, when they first arrive, when he tricks that, uh, that kid to the twink, the twink, he was a sex worker, to open up, um, the door, um. He offers for he he requests an audience. Does he request an audience with their god? Yes. Yeah, so Leviathan. He thinks, yeah. Leviathan. He thinks that when you complete the figurations, you get an audience with their god, Leviathan. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and he, you know, he's a millionaire. He's a hedonist again. We get another, mm-hmm. you know, white male hedonist, and he does. It's almost like a religion for him, you know, which I thought was interesting takedown i guess of the rich people <laughs> that they're I all mean, just yeah. a bunch of hedons uh but i it's interesting that you say that the the theme at least for this film too was uh addiction because you're giving it a little bit more credit than i did you know and maybe that's just me because i really felt like this film um those characters weren't character characters they were caricatures and most most of them I would most agree. of them yeah. yeah and i just felt like it I agree with you where it's like, oh, it's very Hollywood, you know, storytelling where, you know, once there was the inciting incident then we were just kind of like hitting all the beats mm-hmm. where we weren't really getting to know anybody mm-hmm. um, or like in a in a real like the scenes were there and like I see the relationship and I know where it is, but I didn't feel it. Um, right. And so for me, it just I don't know, like everything just sort of happened in yeah, the movie. I- and, just, and considering this is like, and this movie has like an additional 15 minutes to the original. Yes. I it just want to point that out, right? It yeah. is longer and mm-hmm. it still feels like it's like going at like a breathtaking rate Yeah, with everything happening. So I don't disagree with you, right? But I think, so the reason I think the, the, the addiction angle here works for me 
is because we see her struggling with her addiction throughout most of the film. I think what solidified that ending for me is when she she sh- shows the final configuration to the Cenobites. Uh, they ask her, what is her gift? What does she want? And she says, nothing. And they say, well, then your gift is lament, right? The lament configuration that we started all off with. Because mm. as far as the Cenobites are concerned, she will live a life of regret, of pain, right? Which coincides with that of a recovering addict, right? No matter, like, she, there's this whole path of destruction that she left behind. Yeah. Right? That was, it. let's be real, it was out of her control, as addiction tends to be. Mm. Uh, and all you can do once you're past that is just move forward. Like you will lose people out of your life, but you have to live with that pain, that regret. There's nothing you can do about the past. And I think it was just kind of like, it was just kind of that little twist at the thing that I was just like, Oh, I feel for this character Riley by the end of this. Cause there's nothing she could do. Right. That's why the lament worked. I'm not saying this was a great film. I'm just saying it's just like, okay, like I see they were trying to do something here. I'll give them a little bit of uh, kudos to that one. Yeah, because uh, at the end of the day, this was what this film was about. Like, she is a wrecking ball. She, you know, like yes. all these people close to her are getting fucked over. And obviously, on a surface level, they all blame the addiction as you would. Right. She's an addict. So you just mm-hmm. assume like this is all a uh, symptom of her addiction, like uh, her brother getting lost and stuff. It was like, well, you can't tell us anything because you were high out of your mind. Like, what do you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just like the fact mm-hmm. that she's telling him the truth. Uh and uh, and she just has to live with that pain. Like, her brother is dead, and it's her fault, and she can only... All she could do is just move on. She can't resurrect him, because she figured it's just like if she asks for the resurrection, the Lazarus, he would come out some sort of deformed way mm, and whatnot, yeah. you know? Pet cemetery. As would be as a thing. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I'm not saying... Look, by no means do I think this is, like, the smartest movie, but I think they tried to do something there, and that little... I think Riley as a character was probably the only thing that worked for me. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. Her, br- I actually did like her brother Matt making him gay. Uh, I don't know if we necessarily needed it, but at the same time, it's just like, well, how do you feel about this? Right, our first main character to die is gay. Do you think he was being punished <laughs> for his uh, carnal desires of the dick? Yeah, I yeah, I mean that is something that definitely comes to mind, you know, where it's like, oh, the gay people are always the first to die, but it it didn't really feel like a commentary. It was just mm-hmm. like, oh wow, what a coincidence, um, for me per se. Yeah, because uh, I think his more. If she was a lesbian, I would say that though. <laughs> right. Well, it's so interesting, right? Well, all right. What a, uh, before I go into this, because this is where I think the comparison for the original comes, and the things I would have done differently with this remake, mm-hmm. uh. What did you guys think? Like, Eddie or Nicole, what did you guys think of the film overall? Eddie, please. I I, I just have some difficulty um, with with the main character, Riley, and feeling like just constant. It always seemed the scenes where she's just about to get more information about the situation, she'll cut it off. Just when even like this, this her boyfriend was about to give her a little more information or he's trying to say, why don't we take a moment and unpack all the information we got? And she's like, this isn't a meeting. This isn't one of the N.A. meetings, you know, like she would just jump from one situation to another, not like taking a moment to reflect on um, like what they were doing, the the information they just received or even like um we just spoke to the person at this uh, 
rehabilitation center that the nursing home the the Serena yeah and it's like they kind of just dropped her like <laughs> just dropped her and walk away from yeah. the situation I'm like mind you, you should have stayed her. with her and got more information or like she was about to reveal something or she's about to take the box too but yeah. the brother thing I I just think the the whole brother thing um it's it's just like feeling guilty like here's a brother that's always looking out for her always finding her trying to bring her back from her rock bottom um and then he gets disappears and she feels guilty about it and she's like that's her motivation like anybody else it wouldn't be she wouldn't there wouldn't be a movie it would it, would, it wouldn't she wouldn't proceed any further but the fact is yeah. it's the only person in her life that always digs her out of her own shit mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know she's gonna go and try to find him yeah you and know? that's why he became he becomes like the major catalyst and but then it's like it's just a series of dragging everybody else in this you know just like mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. else whether intentional unintentional she brings into this situation and bloodshed and then at the end is like huh i'll just be i'll just feel bad forever yeah i mean it's a <laughs> hyperbolic metaphor for addiction but i think that's kind of what i think the writers are trying to say here like just addiction is just one thing that just like i and i look i think this is painting with broad strokes how sometimes addiction gets p- depicted in media but mm-hmm. like it's this idea that like that one person will bring everyone down with you. Everyone close, like gets hurt with your, with your addiction, with your struggles. Right. And I think not, it's not, I don't know if that's, it's one of those messages. It's a very, very, uh, a complicated one because addiction isn't so simple like that. Right. Like, absolutely. It's not. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting because they establish her, you know, as, as this troubled person who's kind of always looking for that next high, you know, she can't really deal with, with things that are too serious or, or with reality for too long. And then, you know, then, and then they're like, Oh, this type of person who then is given the box, but then they kind of go into a different direction. You know, once everything, you know, starts, which is, it just becomes kind of like her own coming of age story or her, her own redemption story. Mm-hmm. And none of these characteristics of her really play into her decisions right you know like constantly seeking that 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 high and and, and searching like wanting to be kind of like off or not have to deal you know she doesn't seek anything out of the cenobites she's oddly like sober about the way she handles everything which i think was kind of confusing as to why they would make this character have these kind of struggles and then kind of ignore them in terms of at least like character uh um just yeah like uh, things to add to her that's why it was like it felt more like caricatures and then also for me i think things just sort of like happened a little too easily and and, and the plot kind of got convoluted like when they went and they found um serena at the old mm-hmm. person's home like oh we snuck into your place and your name was on the deed it's like wait what <laughs> they did all this <laughs> right. like sleuthing to find her uh like and we i guess i mean i don't need to see it these dumb teenagers yeah it was like so plot heavy that all of a sudden things were just happening but i think some of like the you know the physical horror and cause that's why we're watching this movie. Right. Right. Some of it did work. Like the poor fucking roommate who got the nail. Uh, oh, in the her throat. S- yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty gnarly scene to watch. And like nowadays people are obsessed with putting cameras inside our bodies to like show you like, you know what it looks like if you were to like have a camera from inside your throat or famously in blonde, you know, the vag cam. 
So it's like, what? I don't know. Yeah, the new blonde movie. Ugh, I have so much to say about that movie, but we have we see from uh, the they point did, of like view an of internal of, vagina. Mm-hmm. Multiple times. Uh, <laughs> is it? Uh, was it a real vagina? I I mean, I don't know. Good question. Um, was, oh wait, I have I have so many more follow-ups. I mean, <laughs> you probably don't know, but was there a penis? Oh my god, let's move on. Penetration. Jesus, babe, just let it go. We'll we'll talk we'll talk a little bit more about blonde <laughs> some other That's time. So creepy. Uh, I didn't make the movie. It's don't watch blonde how about that i will i really wasn't planning to so. <laughs> it's it's not good but like you know but then again you know like i would argue that blonde was a horror movie just like this is so there is something mm-hmm. horrifying about putting a camera in there um and from that angle and like mm-hmm. i think that worked a little bit better than some of the cgi like pain moments um like in the beginning when we see the, the sex worker you know pretty much sacrificed and stuff i thought the screams were more disturbing than the visual mm-hmm you know, like for me, it's always less is more. Um, and in terms of the Cenobites, I don't know. I found the I, I just didn't find it as effective as the 80s one. And of course, you know, it's it's hard to compare because at the end of the day, the 80s one is very close to being a masterpiece of horror. Um, yeah, no, I, I would agree. And I don't know. It has it's unfair. But it, at the end of the day, this is Hellraiser. They're the same thing. They have a lot to live up to. So it just didn't hit the, the right notes for me. I think with character design for like the with Pinhead, I actually did like Pinhead's look, which was like Mm kind of like that skin suit, like literal skin. Yeah. Like instead of like so in 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 Clive Barker's film, he's where he's wearing leather in this iteration. The suit is made out of like human skin. That's. Like yeah. I think hell uh, that's Pinhead's own. That's like kind of like pinned to like have these intricate designs and stuff and uh, gruesome. I thought played it was... by uh, Jamie Clayton in this one. Jamie Clayton. Okay. Yeah. By the way, Pinhead is also known as the lead Cenobite or the Hell Priest. <clears throat> there you go. So See? and and Doug Bradley portrayed uh, him in the 1987 one. Jamie Clayton in this one. Uh, so, you know the the leather makes it more like sadomasochism. You know. Yes, it does. It gives it, but. Wouldn't that, I guess in 2022, wouldn't that be considered kink, yeah, kink shaming? Oh, putting leather? Yeah, I guess because so. keep in mind, Clive Barker has spoken about this, right? All right, so this is where we're going to get into the queerness of the original film. Let's do uh, it. Because it gets, it, it is thrown around out there by uh, a film critics that like it is a queer film. Uh, not because Clive Barker is gay, but because it is about this different sect of the not necessarily only gay community because heterosexuals also do engage in BDSM, but Clive Barker was inspired very much by a BDSM club. And he thinks, and he said like on a scale of one to 10, he would categorize himself as a six in the BDSM scene. Mm. Uh, And so this, the original film has almost like these costumes were inspired by what he had seen in BDSM clubs and these dungeons and stuff. So that's why they're using leather. That's why they have like these getups. So, uh, as a result, like critics find this to be a, a queer film and stuff. And yeah. the new one, as to fl- on the flip side, we are introduced to queer characters, which I think was superficial. I think you could have done a little bit more with that, uh, especially in twenty twenty two. But I noticed one of the first things I noticed was like, oh, they removed the leather. I wonder if that's because we're in a in a post pc world where 
is it wrong to kink shame, right? Like, is it wrong to imply that, you know, being into leather and, uh, and BDSM is wrong? You yeah, know? yeah. You know, so looking at it from the context of when the film came out in the 80s, I can see why people, you know, like in my 2022 perspective, do I think it's kink shaming? Maybe not. But mm-hmm. I could see why they were like, it's queer shaming. Because mm. think of the way gay people were represented in the 80s, right? <laughs> I mean, barely. And, you know, <laughs> we had village people uh, and the one guy who was on leather. You know, there's a film um, with Al Pacino called Cruising. You oh, know, where, I'm familiar with Cruising. Yeah, yeah, and, like, that's strong in the BDSM gay community. And even in American Gigolo, right? Like, this is the way gay male culture was pretty much portrayed to the mainstream. And this is Reagan-era uh you know uh everything's peachy keen even 80s movies right like everything had to have a happy ending you know everything was safe and and calm and so from an 80s perspective i can see it and now knowing that clive barker you know i don't know i I don't know if that was his intention well i can see that read into it from i mean the other thing that was prevalent was the aids crisis right yes Mm -hmm. and i think I think he's spoken about this, right? Where like one of his intentions with this film was not to just show there's a lot of shame around gay sex at this point. Right. Yeah. And here he's kind of showing it's just like, well, fuck you guys, heteros. Like, like, like y'all guys can be shameful too. <laughs> like, Oh yeah. Like, interesting. Yeah. Well, also the read then would be, I guess, you know, if you engage in this kind of lifestyle, then your body's going to deteriorate. Is that like kind of a read? I guess. I was thinking more like it's just, you know, the adultery of it all here in this, mm, mm, in, this mm-hmm. in the original film. Yeah. Well, I know Clive uh, Barker, I think he's like an atheist. You know, he's very critical mm-hmm. of, I guess, um, uh, n- social norms or, you know, like mm-hmm. a very uh, heteronormative lifestyle and whatnot. So I think, you know, f- from our 2022 perspective now, do you think it's kink shaming? Do you think it's queer shaming? I don't. Uh, which which one the original or the new one uh let's start with the original i don't think it's queer shaming i would say i don't i don't know if it's kink shaming as much as like kink curious Mm. you know (laughs) yeah well i like that (laughs) is it kink shaming or kink curious that's the episode title right there uh i mean i think that i think it's actually like a not applauding but it's actually like fondly portraying this kind of lifestyle in a weird way but like by doing it they have to show it for what it is but Mm -hmm. i also think that if you're a person who doesn't you know think like that kind of lifestyle is bad then you're gonna look at that and be like that's disgusting (laughs) you know like i think that if you actually uh feel positively about that type of lifestyle you look at it and you're like yes queen (laughs) like you know it's kind of like this weird kind of um positive portrayal of it Mm-hmm. So I think it's very much all about perspective there. But again, I can't draw any of the parallels from, you know, like an 80s perspective of what it is to be gay because the world has changed so much for gay culture. Correct. Um. So but this new one, I definitely don't. I think they tried really, really hard to, you know, make no subtext happen in at least the Cenobites. I mean, the yeah, th- I, I, I agree with you. I think they kind of sanitize them to yes. an extent that they weren't as effective Mm -hmm. i i would agree i think i like i I did like the character design for pinhead but were the other ones wearing leather i don't remember yeah actually you know what good point i don't remember either uh eddie do you remember were they wearing leather yeah see 
Wow, already not memorable, and we just saw this. Yeah, like, that's not like, good. Uh, Let's look up Jason Lyles as the Chatterer. Um, is this leather? Let me send you this in the chat. Is it, is it pleather? <laughs> I sent it to you in the Zoom chat. Okay, and no, it looks like he's like naked. Yeah, it's it looks like, like he's in the new one. It looks like he's naked, not uh, not wearing leather. Yeah. So, yeah, I think anything that's supposed to be black is, like, skin cut off. Like, it's muscle tissue. Muscle tissue. So, there we go. I think we have our answers. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they're wearing leather in the new one. I think they're just exposing muscle tissue that makes it look like leather. Uh, mm. Interesting choice. Now, in retrospect. Yeah, I think, that, yeah, I, 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 I think, therefore, they were trying to sanitize it to avoid upsetting the leather community that's... That, that, you know they hold such a big market in <laughs> now is is the leather community like outraged by this film i not that i know of i don't think so. i don't yeah even, i don't think so yeah, i've not I'm heard just, that i mean i'm not uh, like knee deep in that community but still i haven't heard mm, it so yeah um and then now here's what i just wanted to say i think the original one has such a compelling story mm-hmm. where you know outside of poor larry there were no real good guys and i guess christy but i think you could have modernized you if we were going to go a remake we should have just done a remake of the original one and kind of just go full queer with these characters right like mm. make give us queer characters with huge flaws right where if we're seeing like this gay couple uh we're seeing like the gay couple and the guy's been cheating with his brother or something right or cousin i don't know Make yeah. it realistic here and make that like kind of the inciting incident. Why? I don't know. I would want to see that. I think it's just like, why? Because I think. Because it's like saying, oh, you have gay couples. So there must be trouble. There must be sin. There must be something, go- adultery, something going on yeah, there. But I also think it's lacking right now in the media. We were actually talking about this. I think, was it last week or the week before last? Where it's just like films are becoming this like kind of binary of like good and bad guys. Yep. Where we need yep. to see the full spectrum which is the gray and i think this movie would have presented the great opportunity of showing where i don't think we couldn't there would be changes you'd have to make or obviously it's a remake where if you want to make the gay couple i think you have to make one of the characters the one who's committing these murders you have to make them more conflicted and stuff in their actions like why are they doing this what let you know what i mean and i think yeah. there are ways to address it i think you could have modernized the original story to get make a, a proper remake but i you know then i feel like us me watching i would have been like they should have just done something brand new and original you know so you can't yeah you like, can't win <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> uh, i will recognize my the own flaw in that but i don't know i think the original one had to the story of the original one is just like upon that rewatch i was just like this is so like i am like compelled by this plot and it's a simple plot yeah. it's a cheating plot it, really yeah. but it's just yeah. like i think it's so compelling because like it's a woman who is going to commit the ultimate sins to bring back her her lover mm-hmm. like she's almost addicted to him right she's she herself him. yeah uh, i think lust is like the sin that they really focus on in 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 this one i don't think addiction is one of the the sins what gluttony so it's not a seven deadly sin gluttony is greed is sloth um pride envy and yeah lust, would addiction so. fall into gluttony i guess so right perhaps pride no, but but, but in in itself there's always an element there because you could be addicted to lust that's also like true. addicted to you know addicted to different things 
yeah. but they lead you into that sin mm. or they keep you into that sin. Yeah, you're right. So I guess addiction is like not one of the, what are they called? The deadly sins? Mm-hmm. So it's what, Seven a deadlier? Like a father's <laughs> sin, I guess. Or like, the path like, to a sin? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, like, if you have an addiction, they will lead you down one of these seven sins yeah. of some sorts. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, I found myself basically to get into it. I found myself saying it's just like, okay, this wasn't the remake I wanted mm. in retrospect, but it really gave me a chance to revisit the original one and i think that's probably the best thing about the the remake right like it's just like oh yeah if you haven't seen if you haven't seen the original film since you were like a young and mm-hmm. all you remember is the gruesome parts rewatch, re-watch it this movie it. is fantastic it's like it's wonderful storytelling and i'm just like i'm kind of blown away it's just like wow like i really i really did a disservice here just like not really giving it like the light of day yeah I think we're pretty much, we feel the same way. I think you liked the new film the same way, but I feel exactly the same way about the first film. It's like, did not expect this. I didn't know that this was what was this movie this whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. I kind of feel bad I was judging it so poorly <laughs> just because it was so right. gross and I was eating pizza. So Yeah, because I remember when I pitched it to you, your, your reaction was just like, oh, really? Yeah. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it's Hellraiser. <laughs> it's Halloween. And then yeah. I'm watching it. I'm just like, this is... This is good. This is like this is like this is a f- wonderful film. Yeah, no, it was it was very good. Um, and I Shocking. do also I, I agree with everything you said too about actually the uh, if if they were to make it a queer love story and they were just to remake the new one, you know, we've seen I've gotten enough representation happening of the queer community that now I would like to see some commentaries on the queer community mm-hmm. that might not be so positive and this would have been an interesting way but you know I guess to Eddie's point too it could easily be misconstrued as a criticism of the community so uh, I guess which I think <laughs> in this day and age though you should be prepared for no, but, mm. uh, but aren't we always typecasted in those situations no. like um, we've made in, a lot in, of steps to, to work to going away from that yeah, it we don't. Th- we don't want. Like, I don't. Back, I don't. I, I, I mean, I don't that. need it to be that way. I mean, if a character is gay, like he's gay, like you have you have the the brother, and and he's and he's gay. Okay, fine. But I think the most important thing here is here's a brother up like almost to the point feeling that he needs to be his sister's savior. Um, and to her point to him, I think you're like addicted to always trying to save me. I have my addictions and you have yours and yours is addicted to being perfect and being my savior. Okay. And that's what was like, you know what? Get the fuck out of my place. So fair. And then, then what he does, of course he comes he to back. her rescue. I know, but that's the thing, I guess. So, and this is what is one of these things in me when you're representing minorities. Uh, it's like, I think I've talked about this in one of the previous episodes, right? There's like, mm-hmm. uh, there's like a cycle. Right. And we're like, I think we're at a point where at least gay representation gets very, very sanitized. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not, and it's not a bad thing. Right. I don't, but I, that's but, not but, what but, but I, I feel like it's your, it's weird because what sanitized meaning in what sense that we're not the bad guys or we're not the corruptors. That we're things? not, that we're not flawed. And I think that's, that's but, but that's the thing is I, I saw so many flaws in her brother and in the boyfriend. What two? What, what flaws? The flaws is that he's gonna depend on the 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 sis. Like he calls her up and he's like, "Oh, I need you. I need you to solve this for me." 
to finding your brother. Oh yeah, you no, know, there's, there's that. I, I you know, and the, then it's like you know, he gets wrapped up. He gets wrapped up like in wire, and then it's like I'm okay, like with her at the end. You know, like oh, we we're here. We need each other. Like no. So you're saying he's codependent? In, I mean, I, I mean, I I don't know. And and then what what? And it's like we we want. We always ask for depths and and more facets in our characters. Sometimes it's just like and character flaws. Yeah, sometimes these things aren't always obvious, and sometimes they are. Mm. You know, um, at the at the end too, I always felt that the Hellraiser movies were kind of made to gross and give me nightmares. Did <laughs> too. Right. okay? If that <laughs> were the case, and, and and also it's always about like people who want this level of perversion uh-huh in perversion to reach a level of 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 just like i don't know like all i can think of is how do i how do i take this to a level a higher level and usually it almost per it, it per i can't think of the word right now but it 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 corrupts the original thing like sex right uh-huh. like how do i take this to such a level yeah that's- that it becomes this kind of grotesque and painful thing for them so maybe this is why i think the addiction angle was an interesting angle to go because i feel like that is it's disney day specifically like with the opioid epidemic relatable but i think the sex does lend itself with the queer storytelling more specifically like the gay experience because i think it's more heavily intertwined where i think it just would have presented more options from a writing standpoint in my point of view, where you could have made some commentaries uh, about, I'm thinking of the movie Bros, right? Where there was that commentary basically on like this like empty sex uh, filled life that sometimes gay men do lead, right? And that's why it was like a romantic comedy and stuff. You could have easily taken that premise and made that into a horror one because, I mean, I'm already thinking, like, how, how would you lure men into your house to make sacrifices so you can get your lover back? Grinder or scruff, right? Yeah, and it's just like, so I, I, I think there was opportunities there where we could have updated the original one. Then watch the Dahmer thing on Netflix, because that's what that was all about. Luring, luring gay men into his home so he can kill them. Oh, I can't watch. So yeah, but the, the problem. So the problem with that one though, then is it's like reigniting the trauma for the survivor or the surviving family members of this guy, right? Where uh, look, media is not perfect, right? And we have to accept that. Um, and this is just another symptom of that. Like there, I think there's always more that we can do, and I think there's sometimes I don't know. This is what I mean. This is, this is, you know, I don't know. Nicole, you're being quiet for a while. I, I, I feel I'm like I'm shooting myself in the foot. <laughs> I, 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 I say give give me real characters, but I'm not looking for let's make the gays suffer or bad. No, I'm not saying that they should be bad. I know you're not. I'm but saying that they it, should but be. It's, but it's the protagonist, but still flawed. Like it. Yeah. Stuff. I think we're speaking too generally, you know, like or or maybe our statement about, you know, like we should start making, you know, 
we had enough good representation that we have to now like kind of make commentaries. It's too much of a general statement because it obviously would depend on the way that we tell these stories mm-hmm. and then in directions and in, in the realms we put them. But I do agree that right now cinema is kind of getting closer to how cinema was in the 80s where everything is a little bit more like simple. Everything's too happy ending, too PC. I think you said too binary. Um, so I'm all for you know getting it closer to what tv currently is where we're seeing some flawed fucked up people not doing some not so nice things but we're still rooting for them because it's interesting and it's dynamic storytelling and i think cinema is lacking that so i guess there was an opportunity to maybe go in a different direction with hellraiser but they kind of did it and that's a bummer because we're seeing it happen in television more than we are in cinema right and that in the past it was all movies that would do that you know and it's, it's changed and movies are now just becoming you know superhero movies where everything gets wrapped up in a nice little bow at the end of the day because the superhero you know beat the villain or or whatever and it's just kind of like movies have traditionally been more dynamic than that yeah i and will then say with gay representation in movies too like uh-huh. we are now we're getting romantic comedies wonderful wonderful can't complain about that but you know, now we can start saucing it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to point out, though, that, like, in terms of the critic score here for this film, it's a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I was kind of surprised by. Uh, I thought it was going to be lower. Uh, but basically, the critic consensus is a gift for long-suffering fans after numerous subpar sequels. David Bruckner's Hellraiser unlocks the puzzle box for getting this franchise back on the right track. I don't know if it's on the right track, but it's on a track... like like i see they kind of have a direction that they kind of want to go with i'm like all right yeah it's not it's funny like i like look i i said it it's just like i think the original one is clearly superior one it's a superior film and i think if you're going to revisit the hellraiser series for the spooky season definitely watch the original one because you'll be unnerved and at the same time kind of like invested in these characters well, to be fair, we have not seen the other eight movies, so uh, I don't oh, know. If I any have of them... seen. I've seen one of them. I don't just know which one. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. maybe maybe one of those Hellraiser movies, you know, is doing the things that we wanted, or or we missed something there. But again, we're just covering 1987 and, and 2022. So, uh, yeah. I think that wraps up a really pleasant discussion talking about sadomasochism, (laughs) 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 essentially. Uh, What are your thoughts on Hellraiser and this franchise or just these two films? Have you seen it? What do you think? Do you agree with us? You know, there's a lot that we said. So chime in by emailing us at remakesrebootsrevivals at gmail.com. Hit us up on our social media, uh, Instagram at remakesrebootsrevivals. Twitter at Remix Podcast, Facebook.com slash Remix Reboots Revivals. And you can find us on YouTube. Uh, we have a website on all of our platforms that you can go to. And, and if you enjoy this podcast, please find us on your podcast listening platform and give us a rating. And if you can, leave us a little review. And lastly, we have a voicemail service that you could call in and leave a voicemail and let us know your thoughts. And that number for you to call in is. 862 248 2326. That's 862 248 2326. Well, um, yeah. I think that just it's about over. Says it. So don't cry. No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. Ooh. Well, yeah, what is it that Frank says when he's like pretty much about to die where he says something about Jesus? Oh, that who, uh, I forgot what he said. 
It felt deep. Uh, Jesus wept or something like that. Yeah. Oh, I think that is what he said. Jesus wept. Yeah, there we go. I okay. don't know why he said that. Is it because of his position that he was in, like the cross? Maybe. Oh, because yeah. he wasn't crying. Oh, haha. <laughs> yeah, so he wasn't <laughs> like, he. his arms were outstretched and stuff, and he said it's just like, Jesus wept. What a wow. dumb shit. No, how dark is you think about it? It's just like, oh, yeah. he's saying he's better than Jesus. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Seriously, what a dipshit. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, no, the original film. So dark, so demented, so twisted. Wonderful. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. All right, guys. Until next time. Stay, stay an original. original.